Welcome to your Lot and Parcel podcast. Our mission is to emphasize the importance of preserving historic landmarks for future generations, mental health, physical well-being, and a safe family home environment. We value your monetary support. Here's your host, Benjamin F. Diaz. Welcome to your Lot and Parcel podcast. We're talking about the challenges of generational trauma and homelessness that is widespread across this country. My guest addresses what causes homelessness, and she speaks to what the practical solutions are to mitigate this unfortunate problem. Ever wondered how you would deal with giving money to a panhandler? Well, she speaks to that, and she also addresses what should be first and foremost when you find yourself in a situation like that. My guest is a 21-year real estate broker in Long Island, New York, prolific author, public speaker, counselor, life purpose, and coach, and she is also internationally recognized for her work as an inspiration to all those she touches by teaching them to love themselves, speak out when necessary, and to live authentically. Here she is, Edna White. We are talking about homelessness today. And of course, it's not limited to the single individual. In fact, entire families can be affected by it. And I'm happy to have Edna White on the show to give us more information on what we can do as individuals to help. But before we get into our discussion, tell us about yourself, Edna, and what it is you do there in Long Island, New York. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Mm -hmm. Um, My name is Edna White. I am a 21-year real estate broker, um, and I've been in the housing industry for a little bit longer than that. Mm-hmm. There you <laughs> and go. Um, my last position was helping um, and working with Long Island Coalition for the Homeless, one of the um, region's um, solicitors for funding for both Nassau and Suffolk County. Mm-hmm. So I've been in the industry a long time. <laughs> yes, obviously. My goodness. So what, uh, what's the, um, I know you, you have a website, uh, I believe it's Second Chance Services. What's uh, the objective? Yeah. Um, well, the objective um, on the part of um, Second Chance Services is what I started doing is really working with um, the women in the mm-hmm. shelter. And um, I found during my data, <laughs> you yeah, know, yes. running data, um, and I found going to the shelters how hopeless everyone is. And you know, our systems are not set up for emotional support and not even mentally support at, at some, you know, at some juncture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that the, I want to say that they were very despondent and I was working with those that lived in the shelter from between five and 15 years. Mm. And I literally saw some of the children grow up. Is that right? Because um, I knew them. Um, I knew their parents. You know, I worked with their parents, children that grew up. So, you know, I had, I felt like that it needed to have some type of counseling in between there because you can say, oh, well, you know, a house, you can give a person a house, mm-hmm. but when they don't, when they haven't worked with how to keep it, 
you know, how to, um, you know, maintain it. Suppose I get under pressure and I, right. I know I'm missing money and I can't, you know, can't pay the payment. What do I do? Right. So all of those things kind of come into play. And I saw that we needed to have a piece that's called like tenant preparedness and a housing counseling, you mm-hmm. know, in, in there. Um, mm-hmm. Meaning just taking it further than housing first mm-hmm. and addressing the the person's whole person, you know, the, how they feel about it, you know, what's reluctance is behind it. You know, if, if they're not really looking for a house, it's not just their, you know, they just, you know, um, don't want to do it. Right. It's reluctance of being kind of shut out, you know, again, you know, another no is in my face, you know, and I've been mm-hmm. going through for 10 years. So mm-hmm. I've been getting those everywhere. So I found that the systems that we had in place do not address that, do not, mm-hmm. not address the hopelessness of being homeless. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Now, yeah, you mentioned women. Uh, are women more predisposed for, uh, for the issue of homelessness? Uh, well, men seem to almost find a place to hang, kind of hang out. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. Um, but women usually hold, you know, um, take care of the children. Mm, correct. So, of course, they're always, um, you know, they're pre- they pre- predisposed for it. Yes, unless there's husband and a wife, you know, and then they're together. But um, majority is usually single moms, yes. single moms. Interesting. So let me ask you, Edna, where do we stand on on homelessness uh, across the country, there locally or nationally? What can you tell us on that? Well, locally, I can tell you that right now the market is like it used to be in 1985. <laughs> you know, oh, everything's high, you know. Yes, so, yes. you know, um, it's the seller's market now, you know, but it's sure. slowly decreasing because we are, you know, it's during, you know, this inflation time of ours. Right. So, right slowly just going down i think last i want to say last month it was down twenty thousand dollars um and that's just a little bit considering we're paying for houses a hundred to two hundred thousand over um what you know the value Mm -hmm. one of the uh, commentators said that if anybody buys a house right now they're very desperate (laughs) yes yes i I would agree yes no so so what that does for the whole area, you know, our in the U.S., it really stops, you know, um, first-time home buyers, uh, new families, you know, uh, young families, millennials from mm-hmm. buying. It really stops them from buying and holds them up. Yes, they'll save money, but they won't be in, you know, getting a house. They won't be getting their independence, getting something that they want until this market changes. Mm-hmm. So that puts an onus not only on the, on the housing market as far as sales, but the rentals are astronomical. They're up there. Like, they're mm-hmm. up there too, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, two years ago is not what it looks like now, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's up there. So um, homelessness uh, basically it stems from affordability, right? Absolutely. And it's mm-hmm. now that, and you know, this is now that there's no middle class, there's, there's just poor yeah, <laughs> and rich, true. right? Yeah, so now it's the affordability of it all. So what does affordable mean? See, there's so much, um, 
I want to say miscommunication about affordability. What does affordability mean? Really? Mm-hmm. It's affordable to someone who's making 200,000. It's not affordable to someone who's making 25,000. So what does affordable mean? So they're bringing all of this affordable living into the into all the communities um, and they're always building them. But really what is affordable and affordability is not what we all think it is. And so homelessness is going to continue into this uh, understanding what that is. And if our communities and our areas can can really hold that, if mm-hmm. are we really taking an account of the people that live in the communities. Correct. So the trend would be uh, it's getting worse. Would, would that be fair it's to say? Getting worse. Yeah. It's getting worse. That is so and, unfortunate. And, and, un, and being unhoused really means those in the shelter and those mm-hmm. who are living in free. So yeah. they're unhoused. They don't have their own home. Yes. So we're seeing a lot more of that, uh, especially the street homelessness. Yes. So affordability is one uh, aspect of it. Uh, what mm-hmm. what else might there be? Because I. I understand uh, homelessness and health are inextricably connected. So health would be an issue also, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Health would te- definitely be an issue because as, you, as you've as you seen through the pandemic, well, I could say a lot of our clients in the homelessness um, sector have experienced COVID like none other. Yeah. And then they're afraid to get the vaccination because they don't understand anything about it. So you're talking about somebody who's, you know, say they're unhoused and living in, you know, it's, you come and tell them that they ha- there's a vaccination or you need to take care of yourself or you need to, you know, have things done, take care of yourself. They're, they're like looking at you. I can't trust anyone. Look where I am, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's the trust factor there that limits that. And on the mental health side, a lot of our, uh, the unhoused didn't start out with mental illness, mm. going through the hopelessness and the constant, you know, um, being told no, living on the street, being brutalized, probably going to jail because they were homeless, mm-hmm. you know, criminalizing that homelessness brought about the anxiety, brought about now the mental illness you know, the, 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 the bad behaviors that go along with it, you mm-hmm. know, the dependence on drugs, alcohol, brought about all those things, mm-hmm. you know? So yes, housing and, and, and um, health really go together. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And of course there's other aspects. I, I would think uh, domestic violence too, probably. No. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and, 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 we, we, we know that 50% of um, divorce here in the U.S. is due to money. Yes. Divorce rate is due to, to, to finances. Right. So when you don't have finances and then you're on, and on top of it, you're homeless, either you cling to the wrong one and it's, you know, you're, you're perpetuating the domestic violence because it's, you know, you they're in it and they're involved and they're you know but i love them because you you're in it but you this is the person that is going through this with you 
Then there's families that are in shelter that are probably are married, but because of finances, it's a struggle to stay that way. You know, it's a struggle to maintain finances, um, you know, for their children, for their family. So yeah, it's it all yeah. play all of it has a lot to do. Yes. Yeah, so it's so a de- desper- desperation, desperation is yes. a lot, uh, you know, and uh, it's just so unfortunate. And, and 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 of course, the children are caught in the middle of all this, correct? Yeah, it's, they're, they're really caught. And it's, you know, um, to me, it's kind of sad because um, I had, a, I was overseeing one family and um, it was a, fa- a large family and um they didn't know that the uh, person, the the mom was pregnant again. Mm-hmm. And so she, when I was supposed to meet with her, um, she was at the hospital and he was like, she's having a baby. I was like, well, you all didn't know that? And she was in the shelter. No, we didn't even pick up on it. And so in talking with her caseworker or social worker, one of them too, he says to me, well, she, you know, I've known her since her son was, was, Eight. I said, uh, he's 18 now, <laughs> you I know, and I said, they still shelter. And I, the, um, the two daughters had said, you know, I, I can't live like this anymore. I can't. And, and, and the mom had children stair steps, you know, and the, they, they were taking care of them. There was such an outcry by one of them. I, I, she wanted to kill herself. So I was like, um, I'm calling you know, CPS. This is really serious. You have to get intervention for this family because just usually for most, you know, most people in families, having children is like a joyous occasion, you know, for some. But this particular situation put stress on the entire family. Mm-hmm. And the children were the one because their mom probably had some mental illness that wasn't addressed. Because I, you know, I, I told the caseworker, I said, what woman wakes up in the morning and says, oh, yeah. I won't have 10 children and I want them all to be by different dads. Yeah. We just wake uh, up and say, that. I said, yeah, there's something right. going on that we're not seeing and we need to address. And it, it is mental illness, you know, yes. it is mental illness because of the hopelessness. And just from the statement from the caseworker saying, I knew, I knew them since he was eight and he was now 18 and they were still in the shelter just showed me how much that the children are so traumatized and then that's not addressed. The children are never addressed. The adults are, but the children are never addressed unless there's a CPS case. Mm. I, I hope that is changing. I, I'm not sure uh, because, I, I, of course, kids, and they are really the ones that get the brunt of what happens to parents, yes, you know. Absolutely. And uh, I just hope uh, that that is being addressed, not only in your locality, but across the country here. I'm in California, and it, it is prolific. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you see homeless uh, folks. I mean, it's ubiquitous all over, especially Los Angeles. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been to Los Angeles, yeah. It's, it's just uh, it's, it's disheartening. I mean, mm-hmm. so let me ask you this question. What practical solutions are, are, would there be for to address Well, I this? think... Um, um, I know my friends always ask me, what, do you, what is your solution? You know, I said, well, um, I think changing legislation, um, I think, you know, um, changing the systems altogether. So mm-hmm. the housing system has got to be addressed. And most of it, just most of it is um, 
racial um, biases. Those things have to be addressed by everyone in, mm -hmm. in, in everyone across the country, because if you look at your data, you know, um, for here, 30% of the, the, the um, people of color are in middle class, but 60% mm -hmm. of them are homeless. So that tells you something, right? right. Tells you a little bit, uh, there's something wrong. Something wrong with that. Um, so we have to address that and we have to make sure that we um, have ethics, especially realtors, you know, um, uh, property managers who have to have ethics and we have to be able to, you know, um, get rid of our own biases and, and handle it like, a house is a house. Everyone deserves a home. So you mm -hmm. don't pick and choose. Right. Kind of cherry people. Right. So would you say it starts uh, from making sure they get uh, proper education? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Everyone, I, I said this at my, 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 my last place where I worked. I said, everyone needs to be educated in the laws of real estate and then be able to uphold them. So anything that looks seemingly like it could go against um, and be kind of biased or, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit, mm -hmm. don't even say it, don't do it, and don't be a part of it. Because we precipitate, the, you know, all the stuff. Yes, very good. And of course, education, uh, along with uh, employment, opportunity. Absolutely. I would think uh, any any programs like that anything happening along those lines well um i know that the, the government is actually putting a lot of funding for housing mm -hmm. and there are contracts all over the country for developers to create low income and affordable units mm -hmm. um, and they also have um where if you're on SSI and you like say you have a you know a good sized chunk of payment, they have a mm. program where um, you can buy a house with your SSI income. You just have mm. to qualify. Yeah. Yes. yes. And then they give a grant to to they give it to you once they're there for about maybe five years. They they forget the grant, so the house is yours. Mm. So there's programs available. Um, it's just no information and very little explanation about them, you know. Um, so the public doesn't really understand it because, you know, HUD can be a little bit, uh, the words can be a little bit long and um, jargony to, and familiar to them. But to the public, it, you know, I, if I read an email like that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, forget it. I would get rid of it. But not knowing that would be my opportunity to either, you know, buy a house you know, rent the house, you know, mm -hmm. section eight is the thing that everybody's kind of like grasping onto. But if in this market, what can you, what can you really buy? Yeah. You section, know, what you uh, what can you buy? yeah, section eight, of course, that's what is that? The subsidized, section uh, eight is a subsidized housing. Yeah. Housing. Subsidized mm -hmm. um, voucher program, sub subsidized voucher program. So they are the state and the government are, are giving those out. Um, but in a market where there's, low inventory it doesn't really it's not effective yeah, as exactly. it should be. i agree with you so, here where yeah. i'm at uh, there's a long list a uh, waiting list 
for Section 8. Uh, I've been in the business, real estate business, for probably a little over 40 years. Oh, okay. Oh, I found somebody older than me me in the profession. Yeah, well, (laughs) by a long shot, I'm telling you. tell you that right now I, and I, yeah I, I had to sit down for that one there but yeah it, uh, by a long shot yeah since uh, Reagan came in as president I think right right after Carter I got my broker's license and uh, I'm semi-retired now uh, as a certified mortgage underwriter as well okay. but uh, I've seen it uh, you know um, the market and how it's fluctuated over the years and and here we go again you know put on your seatbelt right uh, with this inflation going on and it's just uh, it's uh, the market is contracting and uh, uh-huh. and people are going to the sidelines to wait. But how much more so, you know, those that really just can't afford it. They're just out of the picture entirely. Exactly. And, and that is such a such a sad thing to me. Uh, Welcome to your lot and parcel podcast. Our mission is to emphasize the importance of preserving historic landmarks for future generations, mental health, physical well-being, and a safe family home environment. We value your monetary support. Here's your host, Benjamin F. Diaz. We are having a sobering discussion of the indigent and homeless that are found in all the cities across this country. She is speaking to what is causing homelessness and what is being done about it. This is one lady that's doing the best she can personally. She is a proud recipient of the Long Island Business News Award in connection with what she is doing in helping those in despair. You will find her link to her helpful books and courses in the show notes. Let's welcome her back, Edna White. And of course, uh, let me ask you this question. In, in, in the many areas, you see folks uh, sleeping outdoors uh, yeah. on the street. Why not in shelters? May I ask that? Well, shelters, um, and here's what I have a problem with the shelters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to work in them. I used to go, not work in them, but I used to go visit. And it's just what I said, go and visit. It's like a jail for, for your family. And you have to buzz in and buzz out. But more so than that, they are so understaffed and underpaid. They're supposed to, the original plan, and I'll give it to practical, for a shelter is to get you get you kind of acclimated, get your family together, and all your supports and your resources, pull them together and help mm-hmm. you find housing within 30 to 90 days. That's what originally a shelter is supposed to do. If it was to work right, that's the, in the, in the, in the worlds before this, <laughs> yeah, it yes. was supposed to work that way. That that's the dynamic that the caseworkers, the housing workers were supposed to help you, you know, boom, 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 find you a place to live and get you settled in. Mm-hmm. The, the, the problem with that, there's so many lines and we talked about section eight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many subsidies and some of them don't come up to the, remember we talked about the affordability. Mm-hmm. So if you're coming into a shelter with no income, you right away you go on Department of Social Services or welfare. Welfare does not pay enough 
for you to get housing. It doesn't even come close to low income. Mm -hmm. So say the family of three here in New York, you get 1200 when the apartments and section eight pay for, um, you know, a unit for 16. So how do you pay for that if you're starting there? So that's one of the issues. Um, the other issue is not many housing workers and caseworkers are versed on the laws of finding properties, finding real estate, mm-hmm. how to speak to real estate you know, professionals, how to speak to landlords in their language. They're, they're speaking social work mm-hmm. and they don't realize that that's really their business. You're talking about their business. So for me to take someone that I don't know, your word, I need to know about them. There's not too much of that in the industry. And I always say that you need to, when you have that type of dynamic in the shelter, there should be a housing worker who has some real estate knowledge and you can't mix it with caseworking. You can't do that. Caseworkers are separate. Housing yeah. workers should know the dynamics of real estate. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, yeah. We're not a, a adept. Uh, the caseworkers exactly. are not adept in, in the no. business of real estate. Um, what have you seen in your area there that does work? What doesn't work? The no, housing that, first. <laughs> that, 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 my question was, that does work. Okay, that does work. What I found that does work is someone with um, real estate knowledge would know that the person really should be, you know, um, prepared. Like, so they would have, okay, how's your credit? You know, let's work on that. You know, how's, you know, your family dynamic, you know, where do you want to be? This is, you know, all of those things. I think they should be a more of a preparedness for the client so that they are, they know what they're up against instead of just saying, here, go see that house here, go do that here, you know, and instead of preparing them, I think that that is more, it gives them more confidence mm-hmm. and they know what they're doing instead of blindly going out, looking at houses and they have no idea what they're looking for, what they'll be approved for. I think there needs to be a lot more preparedness for the client. Yes, yes. Uh, Credit-wise and, of course, employment. Uh, um, so all, all that plays into everything like that. Yeah. I'm thinking, uh, while you're talking there, I'm thinking about that movie I saw uh, once, uh, The Pursuit of Happiness. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it was Will Smith, I believe. Yeah, Will Smith. Yeah, him and his boy had to spend a few days or I don't know how long in shelters. And he was working. He'd he'd get on the transportation, public transportation and go to work. And uh, anything like that happening? Anything that we can encourage? Oh, yeah. Um, Several of my clients um, that I've worked with had great incomes. Mm -hmm. But the situation is their families are very large. Mm. So you're talking about, you know, you're talking about if a family couldn't fit in a three bedroom and um, again, the lines are, you know, if the, the, the section eight, the subsidy, whatever they had does not come up to that mark. Of course they have to prove that they can afford this. So 
most of the time it's either that issue with you know that, that doesn't come up to the affordability you know mm-hmm. what what you know the group of affordability or it um that their income is the property managers are asking for three times the income right but mm-hmm. if they're making i had a family that was making almost six thousand dollars but because of the size of their family they had to get a house that was you know maybe 28 2900 a month. Mm. But so times 29 times times 3. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it would be way over the income. So they're in the in a catch 22. And so what would happen would be I would I said okay, let's talk about owning something because you don't have to have a, a you know, whoever lives in your house, if you have if you have 20 kids your 20 kids can, if you approve for a mortgage, your 20 kids can live with you, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's not like having a rental permit that mm-hmm. limits you. Let's talk about um, owning a home. Let's talk about that, trying to get prepared for that. And I've done that maybe four or five times. I've helped mm-hmm. people actually start thinking about because they were homeless so long and they were making income, got them approved right away. And they were like, oh, wow, I never would have thought this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking I have to rent something and they had the money. You know, and they were, were approved for the first time, first time home buyers program. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. it's that thinking outside the box that we really need for this 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 time that we're in. And I'm hoping that it cools down. We all are hoping, especially in real estate, we're hoping it goes back. Right. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. to a stable. Um, you know, exactly. It, it's um, <clears throat> it's it's a struggle. You know, to figure out how we can get. Uh, families into a home. Uh, right. You indicating SSI. What is that? Social Security. Uh, Social Security. Yeah. Yeah. Supplement income, mm-hmm. I believe. Income. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, public um, uh, assistance uh, that can be used as income. Right. So so long that uh, I believe it's three years if you're going to be receiving okay, it for the exactly. next three years. So right. uh, there's different ways of looking at it. And like you said, the the, the real estate folks they need to be on top of that. So. Because once right away, well, you, you're getting SSI. Well, you don't qualify. Well, that's not the deal. Right. You see, you have to be aware that that income is acceptable. Um, so that that's good. You're working on that, and uh, mm-hmm. appreciate that. Um, let me ask you. Of course, you know I'd be sitting in a parking lot. Just let me give you this scenario, which really had <laughs> has it has happened to me. You know, I'd be mm-hmm. sitting in a parking lot, and you know, and all of a sudden somebody's knocking at my window there. You know. And ask, asking for money. How should I handle something like that? Well, um, first of all, think about your safety. Yes. <laughs> think yes. First, you know, um, yes. you know, um, I've been approached the same way. So I kind of think about my safety um, first and how it's, you know, how the person, if they're walking up in the highway, there's no way I'm opening the door. You mm. know, no way I'm doing that. So, yes. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put anything through the window. I'm not going to do because that's not just this is not safe and not, you know, you don't know what they're looking for. You don't know the mind of the person. Correct. Uh, if you can drop money, it's different. But it, when it's in a situation where you might, you know, um, be unsafe, I wouldn't. Um, but what mm-hmm. my thoughts are is I don't know their, can, their situation. My concern is always, always what... I can give them something. If I'm in a situation where we're walking, okay, you, you want you want money? What do you want? 
you know, I'll take you to the restaurant. If that's what you want, let's, let me take you there. Because mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going to do, you know. Exactly. And you have to be really conscious of that. Um, yeah. The other thing is what I used to do and I, I, when I worked with um, um, Long Island Coalition, he used to give us like, um, certificates, you know, to grocery stores. So I used to carry a few around, and if I saw somebody that was asking, I just give them the gift certificate, <laughs> and that's it. You know what I mean? I mean, you have to mm-hmm. be be a little bit careful. More, yes. Much, I I know I'm more careful. I wouldn't take out my wallet. You know, no, I wouldn't no, do no. that. That's one no. thing I wouldn't do. I don't know the the mind person, so I'm exactly. always thinking safety wise. Exactly. You know, well, you could um, be adding to their their issue of drug abuse. To their you know. issue, right? And mm-hmm. I don't want to do that either. Mm-hmm. So. I'm yeah. very conscious of like what I'm doing and I'm, you know, and you, you got to be careful nowadays too. You know, um, I see a lot of, a lot of them on the highway, on the side of the highway oh, yes. and they're just sign up and that's like the energy they're taking to hold that sign up is the same energy they could take to go down and take care of something. Who can exactly. help you is a exactly. resource. That you exactly. Yeah. So, I find that interesting when that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can offer them maybe a bottle of water, I would think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, something that they can eat, a granola bar, if uh, right. push come to shove, you know, um, that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, yeah, that'd be the thing to do to help them that way. That's an immediate help right there, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about what you have authored. You've written uh, some some books. And, yeah, I've written some And your some website books. there. Um, tell us a little bit about, about that. Well, I've written uh, so many books. I am um, a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of my first books that I wrote was uh, is called Stuff That No One Told Us About the Life at, um, After Sexual Abuse as an Adult. So <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I write about like, you know, the things that I, I kind of went through and I didn't ex- think that it was connected to that, but it was. So um, that was one of my books. And I literally had that book. I wrote that book five years and it was sitting, sitting, Mm. sitting, Mm. shame of course, didn't let me um, do it. And then when I finally published it, um, the organization RAIN, you know, you know, RAIN, um, the international um, um, organization against um, rape and um, any sexual traumas, Mm -hmm. they actually picked my book up and um, it is now one of the recommended reading in their library. So that was one of my first books. A lot of what I do is a lot of self-help and and experiential, but I Mm kind of put a twist to it to just share a solution. A lot of my books is all solution oriented. So I just don't tell my story and you're supposed to get the, you know, pull it out. But, you know, the solution to this is, you know, and this is what I've tried and this is what, you know, what didn't work for me. Um, and just being sensitive to the, the, the reader, you know? And um, I've written also um, a book called Tenant Preparedness, how to be ready to, how to be tenant ready in 90 days. Mm. And that came from the thoughts of um, working with the homeless. Mm-hmm. Came from, and that was just recent, that was written in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Very, very good. Yeah, so a lot of it is is, is a lot of it is um, self help, uh, yeah, motivation. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, um, I'm actually um, curating a book called Women Right Now W H W R I 
T-E, mm-hmm. and it's women and their traumas and all their victories. So mm-hmm. it's 25 write about their stories um, from all points of um, their trauma, and mm-hmm. they share it um, across the world. It's um, international. Um, we have, I think, five, six countries, I believe, involved in this writing. So it's really uh, going to be something when it does yeah. come out. We've actually pre-sold. We over pre-sold books, which is amazing mm-hmm. um so i'm really excited for it to come out um so yeah. it's, it's, it's well, that sounds uh sounds inspirational uh, yeah it is it, it really is. is you also have courses on the on the site website what what can you tell yes. us on that well i also i also have courses about um mindset around money mm-hmm. because as sexual abuse some of my money beliefs were wrapped around um, my self-worth. So I talk about the, um, what money really is, <laughs> what I yeah. found it to be, which is yes. nothing but a mechanism to, to, to help you with your freedom, you know, right. the freedom to do what you want. So it's just really, it's not about the money itself. It's just about the energy that you do get from mm-hmm. that. So I talk about that. Um, and as a course for that, the mindset, um, I talk about um, owning a home, Mm-hmm. Uh, what it takes to own a home from beginning, like, you know, start thinking about owning sure, a home sure. and to, to the point of applying for a mortgage and what you have to go through and the, the emotions you're going to have with it. And I even, I even talk about that, the emotions you're going to have. It's going to be up and down. You're going to be crazy. You're going to see a hundred houses and they're all going to start blending in. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, um, the that is true. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So the course goes through that and kind yeah. of shares that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have a you know a, a number of courses. I have four four courses really. Four courses. Talk about uh, what you know. Yes. Yeah, yes. You have one on credit, correct? How to yes. improve your credit, yes. which is a very good start to getting prepared yes. for a home. Yes. Uh, since a lot of the programs are score driven. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. They are. Credit, credit and income those are the two yes. main things so well i appreciate what you're doing there in long island new york and uh, i think my audience is going to appreciate what you had to say how can uh, my audience reach out to you for more information on the topic here oh sure they can always reach out to me on any platform um instagram mm-hmm. twitter and on facebook at ejw coaching Good. Repeat that one more time. E. E J W coaching. There you go. All right. Well, very good. I appreciate uh, the time you've uh, given us. You're very gracious for that. And I want to thank you for coming on your lot and parcel show. And I want to wish you the very best there in Long Island. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It was really a great conversation audience. Thank you all for listening in. Thank you for listening. The theme music has been provided by Echo Foxtone. All the opinions expressed in the podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. We hope you will join us in supporting home and family through your monetary funding. For more information, please visit yourlotandparcel.org.